welcome to the Retro Blood. You are all my children now. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets You got any idea how much blood jets out of a guy's neck? You've come back to us, Michael. She stop the rage. You see that? Welcome back, everybody, to the Retro Blood, as we continue our month-long reviews of all demonic possession, and we are riding back to the cabin, riding back to the Evil Dead cabin, because we are here with our boy Ash, and he's about to be taking out all kinds of demons. It could be a demon of the of the, of the tape recorder guy from the first movie, it could be some blonde dude. That was just there to get possessed as a demon. And then we got some hillbillies on the show today. What's up, everybody? James Kahn over here. J.A. Allison. And this is Evil Dead 2. What's happening, Allison? How do you feel about this Evil Dead 2? Ooh, what's up, man? Um, I I feel I feel good about Evil Dead 2. Um, I'm trying to hear here surviving this uh weird ass weather that we're having. We're having like all of our seasons in one day this yes. weekend. It's like the um, forest is alive out here. Okay, yes. <laughs> the forest is now pissed off around here because it doesn't know if it wants to be summertime or if it wants to be wintertime. Yeah, it's like um, it's it's like simultaneously windy and rainy and snowing and icing and sunny at the same time somehow. Exactly, it's like the it's like the spirit has been here and it's taken over North Carolina area, which um, in a in a credence, uh, in, in, in a in a way. Evil Dead 2 was shot in North Carolina. So maybe the spirit has always been. Yes. Was it Wadesboro? Wadesboro. Do you know where Wadesboro is? No, I've never been to Wadesboro. Where is that at? I bet you haven't. I don't think I've ever been there either. It's uh, it's a little town um, uh, kind of south of Charlotte. Okay. Um, it's probably about two hours from here. Maybe a little more. Um, yeah, it's like south of Charlotte, like right on the border of South Carolina, I believe. Gotcha. Hey. Well, that's where the spirit lives, and it's spreading its joy all across North Carolina for for this month in particular. But you know, we're talking about all the, about the Evil Dead, but we do have a jam packed history segment as well too. Um, just like on last show, you know, we talked about uh, night one of WrestleMania from this year, twenty 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 two. Uh, we'll probably talk about night two. Just you know, we like to we are in the eighties in this episode, but you know, every once in a while we jump in to our uh, DeLorean. You remember on the uh, Back to the Future movie where Biff, remember when he bought that that um, you know that book of records? Yeah, we do that here right. sometimes. We do, we do that here sometimes on Retro Blood too. That's how we know shit that happens in 2020. So we'll be talking a little bit about WrestleMania Night 2. Uh, plus we got some uh, history when it comes to metal and when it comes to pro wrestling around the release date of Evil Dead 2, which was March 13th. 
1987. So a couple years after the first one was released, this one came to pass. Now we'll also be talking a little bit about, you know, a little bit about the making of the movie and our thoughts about it too. But I thought before we get into the history of the movie, how about Allison? Why about we just talk about WrestleMania Night Two really quick? See our thoughts on it, some of the matches, some of the angles that happened. So you know, I thought WrestleMania Night Two was, you know, it was pretty good. Um, I don't think it was as special as Night One was when it comes to like you know surprise moments and you know really good returns and stuff. But I thought it still had some pretty good matches. I thought it flowed pretty well. Um, do you have like a favorite match that was on that particular card? I'm trying to remember what was on night two. Um, we got Cody night one, right? Yes. We got Cody night Ryan. Yeah. So we have um, on night two of WrestleMania. We ha- I know we had the, um, we had the, the Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville match. That wasn't it. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't it. What do you mean? That wasn't it. That was, that was not my favorite match. That wasn't your favorite you match. All right. Let me go down the, <laughs> let me go down the card here. Okay. Let me go down Holy the card. Fuck. Yeah. So we have we had the women's championship match. Queen Zelina, Carmella, Shasta Banks, Naomi, Rhea Ripley, um uh uh what's her name? Liv. Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan. How can I forget about Liv? And then yeah, we had Shayna Baszler and then Natty. So that was just, you know, normal match to fill in the card. I mean, this the only the only thing that was about cool about this tag team match was that this actually broke um Sasha Banks' record of losing at WrestleMania. So she's no longer a loser at WrestleMania. She finally won a WrestleMania match. Finally. Finally. And then of course yeah. you, so you didn't like the Johnny Knoxville versus Sami Zayn match? No. I love that match. I thought that she was so fun. <laughs> You had the fucking wee man come out there. He got a big pop. He slammed him. He slammed Sami Zayn. You had Chris Pontius half naked dancing shit. He didn't put the oil on him though. And then he had the fucking uh, he had the fucking jackass crew beating on him. We had the big giant mouse trap. We had that table with a bunch of mouse traps in him. Actually, listen, listen. This this match reminds me of something that probably would happen in DDT. You know what DDT is? True. Yeah. True. Can you tell yeah. the audience um, what a DD, DDT is? Yeah, uh, DDT. Doesn't it stand for Dynamic Dream Team? Yeah. Yeah, so DDT is like a Japanese wrestling company that specializes in, like, comedy wrestling. Yes. And I did hear somebody talk about this match in relation to a DDT match, and it made me appreciate it a little bit more. But, um, but But, yeah, like, DDT would come up with, like, they're the, aren't they the people that came up with the Invisible Man match? Yeah. Um, and then Kenny Omega was there for a long time. Yes, he, um, he wrestled Kota a sex Ibushi. doll. Yeah, he wrestled a sex doll. And yes. he wrestled a uh, like a five-year-old girl or an eight-year-old girl. Yes. This also that had, match is actually pretty good yeah. if you've never seen it. Well, they also had this one match that's like a whole pay-per-view where I haven't seen it, but I heard about it. I really want to watch it. And it's basically, it, it stars Koto Ibushi. And it has Koto Ibushi like fighting a bunch of different people all throughout like a hotel. Like he's just going from like room to room to room to room, fighting people in these rooms, all the way to get up to the top. Remember when they did that Money to the Bank match um, in like 2020, that they were yeah, they're all fighting the around roof. the tower. Yeah, the roof is basically like a better yeah. version of that. So DDT basically has like a bunch of like you know 
out of the wall comedy matches. Like they've even they've even done like matches at the beach and stuff. So, you know, when it comes to that, I mean, I thought it was fine. You know, was it like some Luthes classic? No, but it, I thought it had a good part <laughs> on the cart. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. DDT also has that. Um, what I'm trying to look up the name of that championship they have. Um, uh, the oh, the Iron Man Heavy Metal Championship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've ever followed those. It can be uh-huh. it can be won by anybody or anything. <laughs> so if anybody pin, yeah, anything. So like, there, and like there was one match where they had, it was a ladder match for this uh, Iron Man Heavy Metal Championship, and the ladder fell on one of the one of the wrestlers and pinned him, and they counted the one, two, three, and the ladder won the championship. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. See, I, I like held by a trash can and a broom. Yeah. Well, you know, when it comes to pro wrestling, you know, just kind of like when it comes to movies too, you know, a lot of people are like, okay, it has to be done this way. You know what I mean? It has to be done this way. We have to have this. We have to have this. And I agree with, you know, when it comes to, you know, obviously we have to have a storyboard. You know, we have to have a, um, you know, a plot. You know, we got to have, you know, different things make sense. You know, but the thing is, you know, there can be still good movies when there's wacky shit going on. You know, I mean, look That's at this true. movie. That's look, true. Look at this movie, Evil Dead Two. This movie was way wackier than the fucking first one. You know what I mean? But mm. it was still, it still had some good parts to it, and it still helped build the franchise. So you know, that's why to me, like you know, wackiness, even wrestling and movies, I'd say there's a place for it. You know, does it need to be done all the time? No. And is there really bad wacky stuff? Yes, yes, there is. So there is, but. I I have a reputation and anyone who knows me will probably agree with this, that I take things way too seriously sometimes. And I don't, I don't like silly, too much silly shit. Yeah. Um, and that's why like last week I said that evil dead one is the only one of those movies that I really like. But then I started, when I started watching this movie again, I really got into it. And I'm like, I really do like this movie. And I remember why I liked it the first time I saw it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it has a lot of silly shit in it. But it's it's really good. Um, I don't know. Like, I guess I'll go back and watch that match again. But I don't like, I don't I don't like Johnny Knoxville except in his serious roles. And I don't like. You're you're never a fan of Jackass. I've never seen it, but it just oh, okay. seems stupid. I mean, it just yeah. looks dumb. I was I was a huge fan of Jackass when I was like you know when that shit was popular. I was a big fan of Jackass, all the Viva Viva La Bam stuff, all the Wild Boys. I loved all that stuff. So it filled my wacky, wacky sign. I thought it did. Speaking of wacky, though, check this match yeah. out. Your boy, Bobby Lashley versus Omos. Boy, you talk about a fucking five-star made event classic around the world, brother. Oh, my God. Fucking, boy, if this match was in the 80s, I mean, this shit, people would be going crazy. They'd be, like, paying their money. You know, obviously, I think this match would have been better in the 80s, though. I think it would have been booked yeah, a little bit better. Like, they probably would have gave Omos a lot more training before they put his ass out there. And I just feel like it, it would have been, like, a better attraction. You know, obviously, you know, Omos, this is the guy who would have been, like, a perfect villain for, for Hulk Hogan. I'm like, <laughs> duh. Because, you know, it would have been perfect. The uh, Yeah, I don't know. I hated this match, of course. But um, yeah. even Bobby Lashley couldn't save this shit. <laughs> but, um, but you're right. What it reminded me of, like, I, like for the last couple of weeks, I've been watching a lot of WrestleMania matches because it's that season, you know. Yeah. And one of the ones I watched was I watched WrestleMania Nine, which was the oh, one yeah. with Yokozuna and Bret Hart. But underneath that match was um, 
the Undertaker versus uh, El El Gigante. Yes, Giant Gonzalez. Giant Gonzalez. Yes, Giant Gonzalez. Sorry. Um, and that guy, it was uh, when I was watching that, I was like, holy shit! It's like watching that, um, almost uh, Bobby Lashley match. It's like a guy who yeah. can't wrestle and a guy who's really good at wrestling but can't make this shit work. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking of making it work, you know. <laughs> This match, this Raw Tag Team Championship match is fine. You know, we had the RK Bro, which is one of the most popular teams in WWE now. Street Profits yeah. and Alpha Academy, which I'm actually a big fan of Alpha Academy. Um, I really like what Chad yes. Gable's doing. I think he is like, basically, he's like a miniature Kurt Angle. You know, he's not quite at Kurt Angle level yet. But boy, I mean, he's, <clears throat> he's definitely doing a lot better than he was doing. So I definitely like that team. And, and he's a great wrestler, too. And you know, he's funny. Yeah, and he's funny. You know, this match was, you know, basic, you know, by the numbers. They actually had a better match um on um on Raw when it was RK Bro <clears throat> Alpha Academy and then it was <clears throat> uh, Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens. I mean, that that was actually a really good like tag team uh, triple threat tag team match on Raw. Like this match was, you know, pretty good and everything. I, I think to me the biggest the biggest part of this match was, you know, just get the crowd up hop um, hyped and everything, and then they had the big um, confrontation between that uh, Gable Steven Stevenson and then uh, Chad Gable, you know, which is like yeah. their new their new hot prospect, the new hot guy yeah. right now is this uh, what, the Gable guy. So what are they gonna do with that when they pull uh, when they when they uh, when they so, call that guy up? So what I Chad Gable and Gable Stevenson. Yeah. So what I've heard is you know he signed the Raw. You know, so I what I've heard is I'm not sure about this. I think right when he's done with college and everything, they're just gonna put him on Raw. Like, I I heard it. I guess he's been training on the side when he can, but like they're not even gonna put him in NXT or anything. They're just gonna like boom, here you go, Raw. So I'm like, okay, yep. That's what I. That's what I understand is like yeah. he's gonna debut on Raw as soon as he's done with college. Like you know, for people that don't like you know watch wrestling and they're kind of interested in what we're saying. So so basically, when a newcomer comes in, and this didn't really happen a lot during the '80s. But, like, it kind of did, but it kind of didn't. So, 80s still had a, you know, WWF and WCW were, like, the, the pinnacle, too. Okay? And most of the territories were, like, gone. You know, you had some territories open, like, Memphis was open. You had a little bit of the AWA still kicking. Um, you had, like, maybe Florida doing doing a couple of things, too. But a lot of the, a lot of the times, you know, to get new talent, they would have to like train in front of an audience before they're ready for the spotlight. And that's always been the case with wrestling. You know, you can't just mm -hmm. have like some guy off the street training for like two days and send him up to like TV. You know, there has to be like a training course. Now, what they used to do was you would, you would set up with the territory, you would go to their training camp for a little bit. And then what they would do is you would work for that territory a little bit. And then you would branch off to different territories and then gain a lot of experience as you travel throughout different territories, different territories being like, you can go from, you know, Texas to Florida to Minneapolis to St. Louis, you know, Chicago, you know, wherever, Canada, hell, you can even go to Japan a couple of times, you know, anywhere you can learn your, your craft. And that happens today nowadays too with a lot of independent wrestlers but you know wwe is different right now they want to they want to recruit people they want to train them on their nxt brand and release them but when you have yeah people with more like celebrity clout they want to train them in the back end and just send them out there like the problem is you could you could train somebody in an empty warehouse to wrestle you know but like once they're yes. out in front of a live crowd 
You know, it's different. Like, <laughs> that's just going to take experience. It's going to take, like, working in front of a live crowd to know what to do. You know, you can't just train somebody in a warehouse and then send him out to TV. So, you know, like, I think they're doing him uh, a dis- a dis- a disfavor doing that, you know. But, you know, yes. you never know. You never know. If somebody's this all-star athlete, maybe he'll pick it up. No problem. Look at Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle picked it up. He was trained in an empty warehouse. He went on Memphis TV for a little bit. And then he was brought up to the main roster maybe a couple months afterwards. And look how great he did. So you never really know. But most of the time, you need to like train for at least a little while in front of a live audience. Yeah. I mean, I would say that, honestly, I mean, six months is the absolute minimum. Yeah. But really, like a year or two is what you probably really he probably really needs. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like wrestling, professional wrestling is a it's an art. You know, it's an art and it's a skill, and it's something it's something you have to know a lot about. Like, you can't just make this shit up as you go, and um, because if you do, then you're going to end up hurting somebody. You're yeah. going to end up like Goldberg. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like this, they hot shotted Goldberg, and like like Goldberg didn't know, you know, he didn't know shit about wrestling. Like they just trained him at the power plant. They at least trained him. Yeah. But they trained him at the power plant and they just put him on TV <clears> and made him unstoppable. And yeah. then he seemed to get this attitude of like, well, whatever I do is correct because I'm the biggest thing going. And then he ruined Bret Hart's career. Um, that's my concern about Gable Stevenson is that he's going to hurt somebody like AJ Styles. Like, you know, for example, like, you know, is AJ Styles going to wrestle him and get hurt or. Seth Rollins or somebody that actually knows what they're doing. Well, we also seen um, that too. Like, I mean, look what happened with Biggie. You know that Rich Holland yeah, guy. Yeah, I mean, he wrestled with NXT in a little bit. You know, but he was off for a long time because of the leg inju- injury. And you know, during that leg injury, he was, doesn't want like he was going out in the crowd and cutting promos and stuff. No, he got brought back to NXT TV. Maybe wrestled maybe for like two months over there, and then boom, off the Raw, off you know, off to SmackDown. Exactly. I mean, like, I I have talked a lot of shit about Ridge Holland. I don't like that guy. I don't like his gimmick. I don't like his wrestling, and I think he hurts people. But at the same time, when he hurt Big E, I mean, honestly, Big E was probably too big of a guy for him to put that move on. Yeah, I can see that. You know, I mean, it didn't look realistic anyway for a guy Ridge Holland size to be able to pull that move off on Big E. So I just I just think that was just not thought through correctly, and he just you know he couldn't hold that he couldn't hold that that moves straight and he brought him right down on his neck. Yeah. Well, you know, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like the thing is, you know, obviously, I mean, you know, wrestling, like anything, it's like an art form, you know, it's like making a movie. It's like making, it's like being in a rock band. You know, that's why we talk about this. Cause they kind of correlate. You're not going to like get, pick up an instrument and learn it for three days in front of like, you know, your house or play, you know, you know, it's kind of like a garage band. You know what I mean? Okay, you practice with your your friends in your garage or whatever, your studio. You practice, you got your songs down, they're all good. What is it going to be like in front of a live audience? You're not going to go on fucking, uh, you know, you're not going to like, let's say you're, you're playing, you know, your instruments or whatever, you you, you, you got books somewhere. You know, it's it's kind of like if you're, you're just starting out, you're a new band, you don't have any clout, you're all like new members, you're all playing new music, you learn how to do the drums, you learn how to sing, you learn how to do everything. You got booked with Metallica. You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't happen. You got to, like, work your way up. You got to be in front of a crowd. You got to be in front of local crowds. You got to you gotta gain that experience to be able to be a good headliner or a co-headliner for a major band. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, but they're not doing that anymore. 
That's yeah. what's wrong with Omos. Like that yeah. guy just can't. Like he he should have he should be better than he is now, yeah. and he's not. And I'm I'm afraid Gable Stevens is going to be the same way. Yeah. Um. But I mean, we'll see. I mean, we'll he could see. be great. Yeah, I mean, you never Pat know. McAfee's great. Yeah. But then he spent years training too, so that's a little bit different. Yeah. And that's always going to get has you. Trained. The next yeah. match we have is the Pat McAfee versus Austin Theory, and like you know, I was very impressed with this Pat McAfee guy when I saw him wrestle Adam Cole in NXT. Yes. And yeah, I thought good. that was a great match. Like, you know, obviously when you're in NXT, you know, the matches are probably a little bit more designed because, you know, they're in that warehouse. You don't have to travel. You know, you have a lot more time to train. You have a lot more time to develop the craft, you know, which is good. That's what you need. You know what I mean? And you have a built-in good audience that's going to give you good reactions, you know, um, you know, most right, of the time right. out of NXT. So I thought yeah. his match was great. So I knew him coming in to face Austin Theory, you know. I knew he can. It was it was gonna be a little tough because you know Austin Theory is like a newcomer. Well, he's not new, but he's like a newer star as well. You know, Adam Cole is obviously you know has a lot more experience than both of these guys did probably combined. Sure. Uh, but you know, Austin Theory is good too. He was. Um, I saw a little bit of stuff. I know you did too when he worked in Evolve, and I thought yeah. he was pretty good on there too. I wasn't really feeling his like when he was on Raw with like Zelina Vegas crew. Um, I thought his personality came a little bit better when he was with the way with yeah, Johnny Garano, uh, Johnny uh, Gargano. Gargano, yeah. But you know the new the new Austin Theory, eh? I think it's okay. I'm not the biggest fan of the guy, but I mean, I get you need younger stars and stuff, but eh, he's okay. To me, he's okay. So, but I thought the match was pretty good, and of course. After that, we had Vince McMahon come over there. You know, that was all about spots. They, you you knew once Vince, Vince McMahon got into the ring and did those horrible spots <laughs> with Pat McAfee, you knew Austin was going to come out. Like, I knew it. Like, yeah. I was like, okay, where... where the, I was actually begging for Austin to come out earlier because <laughs> McMahon, he looked like a fucking zombie out there. I mean, fuck, he looked like one of these guys from Evil Dead. Like, he get possessed yeah. or something? Like, what the hell? I mean, he looks like, he looks like an old man. Like, he's like... <laughs> You know, like he, like you know, like you, it's like one of those times when you realize age catches up to you. Well, it's definitely yeah. caught up to Vince McMahon. Yeah, and then he came um, out there, yeah, and he well, kept his yeah, record, John. We had a record on the show. You know what the record was? <laughs> the record was Ter- terrible stunners. Yes, who could take the worst <laughs> stunner of all time? That medal has been Vince McMahon, and now he has kept it. So good job, Tato's. <laughs> I I bet you that they when they after that match when they all went backstage like they had a huge laugh about that because oh, you could tell like Austin couldn't even keep a straight face. <laughs> he, was like, he was like he was laughing his ass off when he's like, "Oh, this is yeah. all fucked up now." Which is great because like when Stone Cold has fun out there, that's like that's like that's like to me is like some perfect wrestling because I yeah. loved it when Austin used to come out there do the beer bass, laugh, make jokes, <laughs> stun people. Just like, I mean, he is, I was so excited when I was here. I thought he was going to come back like normal. Like, I thought he was going to do like a Goldberg where he'd have a couple matches a year. I don't know if that's going to be the case or not. But man, I was super, I wanted him to be on Raw. Like, you know, the thing about Austin is like, you know, when he comes out, it's a huge ovation and just the energy is there. Like, and he's a great everything in pro wrestling, wrestler, promo, everything. He gets the crowd hyped and everything. Like, if you, have you ever been to a wrestling event where Austin was on the card? Hell yeah. Okay, cool. So, like, to explain to the audience, like, it's, like, it's crazy. Like, when you hear that glass break, yeah. people are going nuts. Okay? Yeah, it's, it's, like, people are, like, I remember this one Raw I went to in Dallas. 
Um, I think it was right before the 2001 Royal Rumble. So Austin was like straight up doing his what gimmick. Like the, the what was like hot during this time. And boy, when he came out there, I'm talking about people were going nuts. Fucking pe- people were drinking in the stands and shit. He would, I mean, it was just, you don't see that kind of, like you, you see it, you know, for some stars, you know, like that really big hype and pumped and everything. But boy, like it's just, it's just different when Austin comes out there. Yeah, it was definitely Austin live is definitely a an event. Yes. Like it's like it's like being at a rock concert or something. Like I was at um so you remember King of the Ring ninety nine? Yeah. So the night after that, Austin won the title from uh from the Undertaker in Charlotte at the at the Coliseum. Yes. I was at that. And that was just fucking crazy. Like, so the glass breaks, and here comes Austin. This place erupts. And then they have their match, and when Austin won that title, I thought this place was going to, like, I thought the roof was going to come off this place. It was the loudest, like, screaming I've ever heard in my whole life. Yeah. But, I mean, it's just, it was just, like, well, wrestling back then was completely different, though, because it was uh, back in my day, um, but it was, like, (laughs) it was more raucous, and it was more, like there were, you know, like you were saying, there were people drinking in the stands and yeah. like, or much, you know, drinking heavily in the stands. It's almost like, like a mosh girl, pit, girls, like, yeah, yeah, girls taking mm-hmm. their tops off and yeah. like stuff like that that you wouldn't see now. Yeah. Now you know there is certain um, things nowadays that still get a big pop. Like I remember when I went to same thing in Dallas, American Airlines Center. I, I saw a G one show. New Japan actually had mm-hmm. a G one show out there in American Airlines. You know, it wasn't yeah. filled up to the rafters because, you know, you know, New Japan, you know, it's popular, but it's not as popular as like WWE is or AEW is nowadays. Um, but it, it was, you know, most of, there was a lot of people in the audience. And man, when that Tanahashi Okada came out, I mean, like the whole, I mean, everybody in that crowd was standing up, freaking cheering, oh, yeah. going crazy. You know, it wasn't like madness, like, you know, when Austin comes out, but it was like a respect level. But like the whole audience is up there respecting and everything. And just be a part of that is really cool. So, you know, anybody's yeah. ever never been to a wrestling thing. When you when you go to like a really good wrestling event, like it's something it's that's awesome. It's like you can feel it. Yeah. So like when something big's gonna happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's 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 a it's a big deal. But um but yeah, that, that G one show that you went to, um, I saw in New Japan the next day. They flew a lot of those guys from from Dallas to Charlotte the, the next day for a show. That's the day that I met Jushin Thunder Liger. Oh, nice. Um, but, um, but yeah, so like that, that show that you saw with Tanahashi and Okada, that would be like the way people could think about it is like, think about some band that you love that's from another country that never tours around you. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they do and you get the chance to see them live and you never thought you would. Yeah. That's what that's like. Yeah, pretty much. It was wild. It was a good, good, good old times. Speaking of wild, we have Edge versus AJ Styles. Now, that's admit, my favorite match. That's one. So this one was probably yes. my favorite match too. Uh, when it comes to a, you know, just like regular technical good wrestling match. Now I thought. Now you could tell though, in this match that they are saving stuff for later. Yeah. Because, you know, at first I was, you know, because Edge right now is, you know, he's still a part timer. But since the end of this match and then what happened on Raw, it looks like he's going to be sticking around for a couple of months. You know? So I'm thinking he's probably going to be working a three-month program. 
with AJ Styles. So since I know that now, after this match, I was like, okay, obviously, you know, you want to save some stuff for, you know, backlash. WrestleMania, oh, sorry, WrestleMania backlash. Okay. I'm going to save some stuff for that. But, uh, you know, the new Edge persona, I think it's pretty good. Now, what do you think about this criticism now, Allison? Everybody else there. I'm ready for it. So Edge is building his own stable. Obviously, we have Damian Priest in his stable now. There's rumors oh, to be yeah. uh, Tommaso Ciampa and then maybe Rhea Ripley in his stable too. Do you think this is a ripoff of Hasselblad or no? Oh, I never thought of that. Um, no, I, I'm. I'm well. I don't know. Maybe I think. You it mean, takes do you elements. think? Do you think they're directly thinking about that? Saying that, oh, well, they're doing House of Black on AEW. Let's do something like that. Or are you saying that it's just similar to it? I would say there's there's aspects that are similar to it, but there's aspects that are like different in a way. Obviously, you know. So Edge, what I was okay. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say what I was gonna say is it's a rip off of the Ministry of Darkness. It could be, but it, yeah, I mean, well, you know, Edge right now he's doing that character where he has like the throne with the lightnings and stuff. He's basically like an Undertaker right. character right now, you know. You know, he has like that, you know, he has that Alter Bridge song. It's actually I like that song. It's yeah. pretty good. You know, I like the new Edge. He has like this like blue light, like this neon blue mm-hmm. light thing gimmick going on. So Yeah, so it's blue instead of purple. We're seeing we're yeah, we're seeing yeah. <laughs> we're seeing like a lot more of the darker side of the Edge character. You know, Edge has been like a darker character a long time ago. You know, he's in the brood. He actually was, was a very long time ago. Yeah, this yeah. is like 1998. So he was in the brood. He was actually in the Ministry of Darkness for a little bit. But, you know, most of his career, he's been either like the goofy Edge and Christian guy or he was like this sleazy heel rated R superstar guy. You know, so I guess yeah. he's trying to do something new, you know. And then, of course, he got Damian Priest. Was You know, look at Damian Priest. He Obviously, the guy looks like he likes rock. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, he has yeah. that look to it. So, I think people are drawing the comparisons because House of Black, I mean, look at those guys. But the thing I like about House of Black more is that House of Black does more of a black metal, like death metal style to them. The yes. presentation. It seems more real to me. Yes, exactly. You know, to me, the... People might take offense to this one, but to me, the Edge one feels like, oh, look, look at us. We're doing some dark stuff. We kind of look like Evan Instance or something. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, okay, we get you, guy. Oh, yeah, look at us. And then fucking, you know, House of Black's like, yeah, we like fucking Behemoth. Like, we, we like some crazy dark shit. You know what I mean? Like, I like those. We like that black for me or whatever the fuck the guys' names were. You're like, you know, right. like the heavy shit. You know what I mean? So. You know, that's I could me and you could probably tell the difference because you know we know a lot about metal, and I'm pretty sure our lovely audience does out here too. We can kind of tell the difference between the stables, but I can get how people can compare the two, you know. So, but I, you know, the match is great. You know, Edge is still a great character. You know, his promos right now, as is, is, this is like kind of weird, but you know, I, I think over time it'll grow once it gets some new people into it. So, it should be you know, pretty fun. Speaking of not that much fun. It brings us to the last match of the evening. Title versus title. Roman Reigns mm-hmm. versus Brock Lesnar. Cowboy Brock. Cowboy Brock. I thought you this match Brock. was super boring. And I was like, can we just get this shit over with? Listen, I like yeah, both characters. It was all right. Both characters yeah. are fine. Roman Reigns is great. Cowboy Brock is great. Characters, perfect. Entrances, great. 
Titles, great. Big st- big superstars, yes. Merch sellers, all this stuff. Matches, eh. I mean, it just... Suplex, spear. Superman <laughs> punch, spear. Uh, spear again, Superman punch, suplex. Suplex again, S- spear. Oh, one submission. Okay, submission's done, spear over. Okay, that's it. Gotcha. It just, I don't know, it just... Yeah. I get it. You know, like... I think what happened was like Brock Lesnar's matches got over because of his suplex and his intimidating style. And then, you know, I think when they structure the matches with him, they try to make it more like a UFC type of thing where like, oh, you don't know what's going to end. You know, when you watch UFC, you don't know what's going to end. It's just like, you know, I mean, the guy comes, the matches are all the same. Like if you've seen one, you've seen like mm-hmm. a thousand, you know? Yeah, so. it, I bet it's exactly the same as a match they had last year. Probably. I mean, I bet if you watched them back to back, you couldn't tell the difference. Yeah. And the thing is, like, I thought it would be. I didn't hate this match. I thought it was yeah. fine. Yeah, it's fine. You no, know, yeah. I mean, it's it was fine. Um, but well, their characters I, are like, so when, good. That's why. Right, and when he took off his gloves, I'm like, oh, we're gonna get something different this time. It's no. gonna be like a wrestling match. He barely it's even used his be hands. The UFC thing. I thought he was gonna at least. But he never even used his hands. So remember exactly. when Brock Lesnar came back? And he and he beat the shit out of John Cena. That was a yeah. fucking awesome match. He fucking took that guy down there, did some UFC shit, beat his fucking ass, used his elbow. Like, why did we? Why couldn't we see that shit? You know what I mean? Why couldn't Brock? He, I don't think Brock Lesnar uses his UFC style in a match as, as good as like a Matt Riddle does, or as good as like some of these other MMA guys who's transitioned to wrestling. You know, because Brock Lesnar has his the spots that got over, like his suplexes and everything, I think he kind of went away from using his ground and pound and a lot more of his different submissions and getting out of submissions and getting back into submissions. So, but, you know, I mean, I get it because the suplexes got over so big. You know, you got to give the people what they want. But, I don't know, I just thought, like, I think if he added, this is my opinion, if he added his ground and pound game with his suplex, I think his matches would be a little bit more interesting. That's just me. I think if he added anything different, it would be more interesting. <laughs> yeah. didn't, he used to, didn't he used to do, like, moonsaults and stuff like yeah. that? Well, yeah, well, he yeah, was... Yeah, and he doesn't well, do his shit like that anymore. Before he came, before he went to the UFC and did all that stuff, he used to be, like, a normal-style wrestler. We did, like, you know, suplexes, he did carries, he did chin locks, you know, punches, you know, normal wrestling stuff. You know, he did all that. Nowadays, right. it's just all the same shit. So, but, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, that was a pretty, pretty good show. You know, we'll see... Where they go from here and everything. But, you know, WrestleMania is always a pretty good fun time. So, you know, we won't talk a whole lot about, like, newer age wrestling stuff. But, you know, when there's some big events, that stuff happening. We'll probably slide it into the to the retro blood here and there. So Yeah, maybe SummerSlam we'll talk about it again. Yeah, yeah, you know. Which will probably be the Edge and Edge and AJ blow-off match, probably. Yeah. If so, I had to guess. Yeah, so we'll give it a little... Give it a little We'll, we'll 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 dabble through our like that that little booklet that you saw in Back of the Future. We'll see what our predictions and stuff will be. Yes. So getting back into the eighties, how about back we? To the 80s. How, yes, back to the eighties, brother. How about we talk a little bit about some of the music that happened around Evil Dead? So I couldn't find something on the exact date, but I saw something around the same year, same year, obviously, and it was around May. So, have you ever heard of the band called um, Bathory? Oh, yeah. Bathory. Uh, they're an early black metal band. Yes. Very good. Very good band. So, they released their album under the sign of the Black Mark. 
And so I, I got to start listening. I'll probably play some stuff on the YouTube of these guys because I haven't really heard them before. But they have everything I'm looking for in a black metal band so far. They have a cool album cover. All right. Looks like they wear all the gimmicks when it comes on there. Mm. And apparently this was a key album in the development of their black metal genre. So I guess like this is like one of the one of the like early albums that was like developing the style of black metal at this time. Um yeah, so uh, yeah, so like you know, like those bands from that era like Venom and um Bathory for sure and I guess you know Merciful Fate bands like that they were like hugely influential on the early the late 80s early 90s black metal bands like Mayhem Mayhem was hugely influenced by Bathory um so yeah that so Bathory is like an is like a they're a classic I mean they're 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 they're, you know they're a classic band for sure everybody should listen to Bathory so a little bit about this album so apparently the photograph of the cover was was done by a photographer named Gunner. I thought it was mm-hmm. Guther for a second. I was like, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> Is it the same one? Yes. It was a it was a, a, a photographer a photographer in the Royal Swedish Opera in Stockholm. So the model was used right. was used with um it was it was a then top classic Swedish bodybuilder who posed for this fucking album cover. So the album cover is basically this guy looks kind of looks like um, kind of looks like something from Mortal Kombat, like the guy is on like this fucking like rock, and he kind of likes like um, he kind of looks like um, what's his name, Koto, uh, not Koto Khan, but the uh, oh the Emperor guy. What's his name from from Mortal Kombat? The big guy with the with the helmet. Um, I forgot his name. Not, Khan. not Goro, right? No, 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 no. The girl. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, I know you're with talking. The about. I can't think of that guy's name. Yeah. Can't remember you, uh, brain kind of that one on me. I don't know. I don't know that guy. I can't remember his name. I don't, I don't remember probably what I'm talking. I'm sure there are people like screaming into like uh Yeah. It's him, motherfucker. Oh fuck. Well, I'll come back to me. So the you song You don't know anything about Mortal Kombat. Sorry, yeah. anyway, go ahead. Whatever. It wasn't made in the eighties, brother. <laughs> <laughs> the song Woman of Dark Desires is a tribute to the band's namesake, Elizabeth Bathory. Mm-hmm. Enter the internal fire. That sounds awesome. Was the band's first epic, reaching nearly seven minutes in length, with lyrics referring to a deal with the devil. Perfect. So yeah, this little this little yeah. track listings on here. Ooh, this one's good. Massacre. Yeah, buddy. Mm-hmm. Woman. Yeah, we were they, talk- uh, Go ahead. Yeah. Now I was gonna say that. Yeah, Bathory also recorded one of the first um, Viking metal albums I'd ever heard of. Their Hammerheart album was a is is like Viking metal. It's like the first one of the first ones I'd ever heard of. Nice, call from the grave, enter the infernal fire. Thirteen candles. I like this one, of doom. <laughs> <laughs> Very to the point. So we'll, we'll pick one of these to go along with our Evil Dead. We'll see which one looks good on here. So far, I'm thinking about massacre. But it's only like two minutes yeah. long. Maybe we'll do Sounds like "Call from the Grave." That might be a good one because yeah, that'd uh, be good too. you know we ha- we have a lot of people calling for the grave and Evil Dead. So that's a little bit. Everybody, check them out. Bathory seems like a pretty sweet band. Uh, what do you got for us on the '80s wrestling sign, Allison? 
So I got a couple things. And uh, one of them is, um, so I remember like we were kind of talking earlier in the week and I told you there was a thing um, that I was just going to spring on you and see if you knew anything about it. Then I told you I wasn't going to do it. Well, that was a swerve, brother. I'm gonna, Ooh. I'm gonna, I'm gonna spring it on you anyway. They gave me a swerve, brother. Uh, we're in a different, we're different, in a different month than I had originally thought. So uh, this has been coming up a lot when I've been doing research about about '80s wrestling, and I know absolutely nothing about this. So what I am talking about is something that happened in mid mid South wrestling called, and the storyline they now they call it the Saga of Lord Humongous. Are you familiar with this at all? Um, well, I know who Lord Humongous is. Um, God, Lord Humongous. That was more than I knew when I started this research. Okay, okay, I think I think I might remember Lord Humongous. That's like, isn't that like, um, isn't that Sid Vicious? It is. Yes. Okay. Good. Yes. Oh, wow. And he so, had, yeah, you did. You, you got you yes. got that when you pulled that out of your ass. That was great. So, so but apparently, and he, he had did like the this, helmet. Uh, like he had like some sort of like yeah. metal helmet thing going. And he had like this fucking. Exactly. It, it kind of looked like he was something from Mad Max. Yeah, because that's oh. where that came from. So yes. in Road Warrior, Lord Humongous is a character, and he wore a, ma- a costume that looked basically like that. Yeah. Um. So apparently, this went on for like two years. This storyline, the saga of Lord Humongous. Um. And it was going on during this time. Um, and, um, it was still pretty low on the card, I think, cause he was, he was wrestling Lou Winston, who I'm not really sure who that is, but I'm guessing that he was, uh, enhancement talent, but I'm not really sure. Um, but yeah, so we, so we, we, I think this is kind of the beginning of the saga of Lord Humongous. Uh, later on in that saga, uh, Jake Roberts, uh, got into it and I just watched a match from 89 with Lord Humongous versus Jake Roberts. Um, there's also a uh, um, a confrontation that I found on YouTube between Lord Humongous and Mark Callis, who was the Undertaker, but he went by a different name at the time. Yeah, I don't think he was mean. Which Mark. his name escapes me. No, it was a different name altogether. Yeah, it's part um, of his first. It was name. like a gimmick name. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of cool. I, I was gonna see if I could find that match, but um, but that was going on. So that was like a big deal in uh, Mid South wrestling at this time. Um, Where you got two big giant on, dudes going on it. So. Exactly. And also on the same show, you had uh, Bam Bam Bigelow, who must have been, you know, pretty new new in his career. Um, he uh, he had a match against Tommy Rich. Ooh, Tommy Rich making his return to the retro blood. Yeah. We're gonna be we probably we'll probably end up talking about Tommy Rich a lot. He was a big oh. deal in the eighties. Oh yeah. Um had a pretty but, fun uh, show. Yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty fun show. Um, the I mean, saga of else. Lord Humongous. What a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God, I I would I would be I'd be pretty entertained seeing some like fucking big giant dude. You know, what I mean, from Mad Max. I'm pretty sure if I you know we were rocking out in the 80s and we drank some Coors Light or something before we went to the show and I saw this huge dude coming out in some fucking Mad Max gear, I'd be like, yeah, I could probably. Yeah, I bet that. that shit was fucking crazy, dude. Yeah. Like we're watching Blitz in the Bathory and a Trans Am drinking beers before <laughs> we go in. It would go in, and and this dude, this dude look look like he's Matt from Mad Max comes in. Yeah, I've been like totally hurt, bro. I would yeah. have my um, I would have my jean jacket that was cut with the band names on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I would have a long. Yeah. Uh, well, my hair is like strawberry blonde, so I guess I'd be look. I'd be you know I kind of look like uh, I would kind of look like um, Undertaker. A little bit because Kinda, yeah. yeah yeah I would yeah, but yeah. I would have you know what, you know we already talked about the style I'd be having my mullet my red 
uh, strawberry blonde mullet with my fucking stash. You know what I mean? I kind of look yep. like, um, what's that dude from Beers and Butthead, the one that beat him up all the time? God, I can't oh, remember. Oh, wow. Him. That's a throwback. I, I, can't, I haven't seen Beavis and Butthead in what, 20 years or more. <laughs> I but, can't remember uh, yeah. the guy's name. I basically be like that guy fucking just fucking throwing beers. Like, yeah, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Lord of Humongous, he's going to beat his ass. Oh, man, that's good stuff. Yeah, yeah, that was that was fantastic. Um, yep, that's I mean that's a basically everything I've got. I mean, uh, Jim Crockett had a show in New Mexico that that same week or the next day, where your boy Rick Rude, um, oh, yeah, uh, he was in a tag team with Manny Fernandez against the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah, they were a good team too. I think they actually teamed um, a little bit on on uh, um, the Saturday Night Show that Crockett did, mm-hmm. and they were actually a pretty good solid tag team. And that actually would have been a fun match because, you know, Rock and Roll Express, I mean, man, you talk about this, like, they would be, like, nowadays, you know, obviously, if you watch, like, the, people would hate if I say it, but, like, if you watch, like, the Young Bucks or whatever, you know, they just have that vibe. You know, they they had the vibe where they're, like, you know, cool, hip, good matches, you know, good storytellers, great promos, just the whole total package, so. Speaking of the total package, let's get into... So I'm talking a little bit about the history, a little bit about Evil Dead 2. Of Evil Dead. Of Evil Dead. So this yeah, is, you know, yeah. this is the second movie. You know, we talked on our last episode, Evil Dead 1. We kind of touched a little bit about how they kind of had to like revamp this series a little bit. Because, you know, when Evil Dead 1 came out, it was getting tape traded and stuff, you know, going through all the speakeasies and stuff, you know, going through all the, like, the freaking low rent you know theaters you know eventually the guy exactly caught him like a fucking lawsuit in him in fucking england and shit so he's probably like you know what let's spice it up a little bit make it a little different you know make it a little bit more campy progressive story a little bit uh you yeah there was one thing that was very noticeable and i do have talking about that so you know at the beginning of evil dead we have like a whole new revisionist history of how the first movie went down (laughs) Well, right. So yeah. that's something we were going to talk about. So yeah. I was going to bring I was going to bring that up to you. So like did, did um so I I kind of thought that the reason they made Evil Dead 2 funnier, more like a horror comedy, was because there's unintentional humor in Evil Dead 1, but it's it, it's really it's not really supposed to be funny. It's just, it just is. Although some of it has to be like we you know Ash is constantly being uh, spurted in the face with blood and stuff like that. Yeah, like, and throwing the bookcase. That's got to be intentional. Yeah. Um, and then they just take all that and like ramp that up to like 11 in this movie. Um, but yeah, so I was so confused every time I'd seen this movie. Well, actually, I saw this movie first, I believe. I think I saw Evil Dead yeah, I, 2 and then I saw Evil Dead 1. I think I did. But the same. Um, yeah, but I was so confused when I saw evil dead two and tried to put the two together because at the end, at the beginning of evil dead two, he's back in the fucking car again. You yeah. know what I mean? So he's going to the cabin, but this time it's only him and Linda. Yeah. The, none, nobody else is in it. So I'm with guessing the, with the huge bridge, yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about this huge gigantic bridge. Yes. <laughs> Which I'm, I'm assuming that the reason they did this was because they didn't know how many people had seen the first movie. And it'd been like seven years since they'd made the first movie which is forever at this time for sequels. And they wanted to explain how they got to the cabin, I guess. Yes. Well, so you're right on that because, you know, Evil Dead 1 came out, you know, 
like I said, in a couple of years, a good amount of time before this one re- reappeared. Yeah. So the problem, though, was, yes, they wanted to link both movies together to kind of, like, you know, refresh the audience that maybe haven't seen Evil Dead 1 to give them, like, a little bit of a recap, but then, you know, progress the story into Evil Dead 2. The problem was, originally, they wanted to use the footage from Evil Dead 1 to progress the story, but they didn't own the rights to it, so they couldn't mm, do it. Okay. So they actually had, in order to, like, fill in the gap parts, they had to make their own made-up footage to progress the story along. So there was like, yes, you're right, they wanted to use footage for a lot of people who haven't seen Evil Dead and they couldn't find it maybe or something during that time, and then they wanted to use it for Evil Dead 2 to kind of like fill in the gaps of what's going on in the story, but they couldn't use the actual Evil Dead footage because they didn't own the rights to it at the time. So, Right, which makes plenty of sense. Um, But yeah, so basically... You know, if 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 the people remember correctly, the Evil Dead ended where the the spirit, the demon, not the demon spirit, but the evil spirit is like going through the house and knocking the doors down, and it knocks the front door down. Ash turns around and he screams, and then it yeah it ends yeah so it, so, it picks then, it back up yeah it does pick up right there um uh you know so he's uh you know it picks it it does pick it up right right where that starts off and then that happens the same day I guess. So this is like Evil Dead 2 happens the next day. Yes. yes. So it's also interesting how like, you know, Sam Raimi, he brought back this movie after he pretty much had some commercial failure on that movie Crime Wave. Have you ever seen Crime, Crime Wave? Wave? Yes, I, ha- I have. It's really not that bad, but uh, it was a, it was a terrible failure at the time. It's a comedy. Yeah. Um, but it's like um, it's a collaboration between um, if I remember correctly, it's a collaboration between Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell and then the Coen brothers. Which you would think that wow, that must be genius. Um, and it was it is a good movie. I like that movie a lot, but it was it was a terrible failure at the time. Yes. And apparently like so there was some back and forth a little bit with the making of Evil Ted too. I guess Raimi he wanted to have like a more different premise of setting the movie in middle middle ages time with some time traveling. Yeah, like Evil Dead Three. Yes. Or uh, excuse me, Army of Darkness. But they couldn't afford that, so they, yeah. they wrote a new story. Yeah, exactly. But you know, eventually they did the Army of Darkness. You know, to fill in the that part, and you could see that you, you could tell though when they did this movie, they had Army of Darkness in mind. You know? Yes. And definitely. another another interesting thing um, that I I was reading about this too, which was you know some of the 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 makeup artists and the artist team, they included three top people that are still yeah, prominent that are still prominent in this industry right now, Greg Nicotero. Tom Savini, and I did not know he worked on this, but Robert Kirksman, the guy who created uh, Walking Dead. Yeah, it was Tom Sullivan. Tom Sullivan, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, who's also a great, you know, effects guy, as, yes. as well as Tom Savini, but it was yes. Tom Sullivan on this one. So yeah, so you had the, the two of the guys from Walking Dead, and then Tom Sullivan. Yes, but you know, like, you know, Greg during this time, like, he was all over, I mean, my God. <laughs> he was doing all kinds of shows. I think he was doing most of the stuff on Creep Show. Um, during this time, so, but yeah, I mean, just it's some some cool some cool little stuff of how like this you know, this franchise you know it's still aspiring to this day that we talked about on the first episode too. So you know we have Army of Darkness, Ash versus Evil Dead, and they're actually gonna they come out with a, a reboot that came out in 2013, and they are gonna be coming yeah. out with another movie as well too. So it's yeah, really cool to see sure. this 
this movie franchise. And to be honest with you, like I think they take more elements out of this movie, Evil Dead 2, than they'd even do in the first movie when it comes to later on sequels and stuff. So besides the reboot, the reboot kind of took a little bit more from the first movie because it's a little bit more like serious tone in a way. So. Yeah, it's it's that thing they always do with horror movies now that I don't understand why they do it. Like, um, so they'll have like a movie that's old, and then they'll wait years and years and years, and they'll do like a, a possible sequel, possible reboot, a movie that could be either, and but they'll call it the same thing. Like they did that with the thing that it was Scream, that it was Evil Dead. You know, so like the new movie is called the new Scream movie is called Scream, and the original Scream movie is called Scream. So, fifty years from now, how are people going to know which one to watch first? Yeah, it's super confusing. It's got to figure it out. <laughs> have to totally figure good. it out. Yeah. So yeah, it can be a little confusing. Like you know, basically they just kind of just want you to watch it all. Right. I would assume so. So, yeah, because Evil Dead reboot could be a sequel, but it also could be a remake. Well, what I've heard is the, um, yeah, exactly. Well, I think that, I can't really tell. I mean, I think the Evil Dead reboot, I, it's been so long since I've seen it, but I'm pretty sure it was just supposed to be a reboot, I'm guessing. Um, but I think, I think, I think what they, I think they're trying to do now is coming on to the new movie, I think they're going to link them all together because of the time traveling thing. Because, you know, the Evil Dead reboot didn't have Ash in it, but I think they're going to try in this other one to have Ash in it and then kind of combine both universes together. So, right. There's a multiverse shit going on on the Evil Dead side. So, but let's get into it, everybody. Let's get into Evil Dead 2. Let's see what we, let's see, let's see we're going to get ourselves into. Let's see. Four years ago, in this quiet forest, in this cozy cabin, something happened. Something so frightening. Something so deadly. Something so evil. We prayed it would never happen again. Now, from the creator of Evil Dead comes Evil Dead 2. All right, so we start off this movie about talking about the book, the famous book, the Necronomicon book, yeah. the Book of the Dead. They explained, they explained to us what the book was because they didn't explain that really in the first movie. Yes, you know they're saying all this kind of different stuff about the book. You know, it's souls and demons and all this stuff. You know how it how it affects how it can take over how it's like a spirit it take up your body it possesses you, all this stuff. So, yes. so now we're 
We're doing flashbacks of the original movie that wasn't really part of the original movie. <laughs> so we have... Simplified version. <laughs> yes, we have a simplified version. Now, we don't have our boys from the other movie in this movie. You know, the girls and our boys and stuff. So we just have Ash and we have Linda in this particular yeah. movie. They're the only two characters that we have in this one. All right, so our, our girl Cheryl, she's, she's gone into the, to the multiverse. She's gone somewhere. All right, maybe she'll make her appearance back, which I think she does actually make an appearance in Ash vs. Evil Dead. So that's how we linked them. So, you know, they were just seeing normal stuff. You know, Ash, is, she's taking Linda onto this trip. They're talking about the cabin. They go over this humongous bridge. I'm like, that's a lot different <laughs> than the fucking bridge in the first movie. This thing was fucking gigantic. Like, what the yes, fuck? Yes. Like, what are you guys on? Like a fucking 10-foot mountain? Like, what is going on here? <laughs> that's that fucking North Carolina, man. They're driving up. That's, that's, that's probably a real bridge somewhere yeah. in Wageboro. Gigantic steel bridge. Yeah. So they get to the house, you know, Ash, you know, he, he's drinking some champagne. You know, they find the tape recorder just sitting there at the house. Uh, they listen to the tape recorder. Um, it's the uh, professor, uh, Professor Newbay. And he's going on about the Book of the Dead. Um, you know, it's the call. He basically just tells the whole history of it, the Necronomicon, Book of the Dead. Um, he said, like, you know, this is like... Uh, He's doing some translations and stuff. And we basically get the whole history of the book. You know, right. it's like, okay, you know, I found this book. You know, after digging through um, century-old spot. And he needs to bring it back to this cabin because he doesn't want people to be bothering him. So he can actually figure out the spirits and all the stuff about this book. And he could translate everything. And he brought his wife out here to, 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 to live, you know, to basically live in, you know, around not a lot of people. So we know we can get this book going, but you know he's he's finding that when he keeps saying stuff on this book, you know bad stuff keeps happening, like people being possessed and stuff is happening around the house. So, right. So then he records it. So, yes. So I was going to ask you this. So it, so when the kids went up there the first time, Ash and his friends. Yeah. So did the demons possess them because they played back the professor? reciting the incantations on the tape recorder yeah. or were they already there because he just brought them the first time he said them? Well, I think it was a little bit of both because, you know, in the first movie we had that spirit chase him down a lot. And remember before mm -hmm. they even found the tape recorder, um, I think it was Cheryl's hand got possessed, you know, with the clock. So they didn't That's play true. the, they didn't That's play, true. Yeah. So that actually happened beforehand. So maybe there was a little spirits there but maybe after they played the tape recorder and then they heard the tongues, maybe that's when the spirit got a little bit more stronger. So that's that's maybe what I'm thinking. So I think that the professor guy opened the portal. But then what happened was when he and his wife got killed by the spirits, the spirits needed more spirits to, 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 to tackle on. You know what I mean? Right. So maybe they got weakened yeah. until these crew shows up, which is the crew that we only have right now is Ash and Linda. You know, in the movie, right. it was showing that, okay, we have more people there, more people getting possessed, more souls are being taken. So, yeah. you know, we, we have, don't have time for that this time. Yeah, we don't have time. We, we only have five room. minutes. Yeah, we don't got, we got, we got, let's get into this <laughs> shit. Okay, let's go. So, we, you know, it talks about the forest and the dark spirits being possessed. Um, and then this is when we get eventually Linda, she's getting possessed. And we just got a lot of recap from like, you know, Ash attacking Linda, burying her. She comes back up. 
It talks a little bit. We see like a little bit more anim. This one had a lot more CGI. Okay, then the, the first well, one. I think did. it was still stop motion. Yeah. Okay. Still stop motion. Still, still yeah. stop motion animation. Yeah. Yeah. So we had a lot more of that in this movie. You know, that part with her Linda like dancing and stuff was pretty crazy. So, but uh, the one thing we did not have in the first movie that we have in this one is the chainsaw. Yes, that does come here. <laughs> yes. All right, so we, you know, got the spirit. And then eventually, you know, when we get to the scene where we, we locked off in the first movie, Ash is outside after he buried Linda. He took care of her and everything. Then we got the spirit chasing Ash, and he basically, like, whips him, like a fucking spinning around everything, and he whips into a tree, falls down. He's possessed for a little bit. It becomes daylight, and then Ash eventually goes down into the fog and basically passes out until half of the day, I guess. And remember, this is not only Evil Dead 2. This is Evil Dead 2, Dead by Daylight. So, mm-hmm. dead, by, dead, dead by Dawn, Dead by Dawn. Yes, or is it Dead by Dawn or Daylight? It's, it's Dead by Dawn, but yeah, you know, that, you know how they keep saying Dead by Dawn, Dead yeah, by Dawn. Dead by Dawn, yeah. yes. Dead by, I don't know where I got Daylight from. What the fuck? <laughs> dead by Dawn, brother. That's a cool name. But uh, yeah, so after Ash, he eventually wakes up in like a puddle. And, you know, he's looking around everything. And eventually he's trying to go to the, um, you know, he's trying to up. He looks around the forest. Um, he sees the house and the car. And by the mm-hmm. way, the car that we were trying to talk about from the first movie. All right. It is a Oldsmobile Delta 88. Oh, yes. The fucking, that's the, the movie. Classic that, Delta 88. Classic Delta, brother. The yellow one. Fucking in spider-man yeah buddy and then he's like and then he realizes like he's like okay good you know the sun takes these spirits away so when the sun comes out the spirits actually kind of go back into hiding all right so now he's like fuck it, i'm gonna get out of here so he gets in the car he drives off he drives up to the bridge it's all fucked up and he's like oh he's like no no i can't believe it no i have nowhere to go which is weird because you know in the first movie you know he already drove up to the bridge and he already knew the bridge was out in the yes. first movie. And then he, he also knew that there was no way to escape too. Because um, when when uh, the character um, Scotty. So Scotty told him that hey you know like the trees and everything's alive. I try to go to the path but the trees are attacking me. So you know in the first movie Ash knew there wasn't no escape. But you know this Ash is different. He has been. Well yes. But you got to consider though. He's been under a lot of. He's had a lot of stressors in his life in the last. That's true. 12 hours or so maybe he doesn't remember that the uh, the bridge is out yes so he's like man i gotta get a grip on myself it says he's like oh shit the sun's coming down and there's a lot of like fast motions with this movie and everything and then we see a bunch of spirits uh the spear is now chasing ash to his car um and then he eventually um he's like basically in the car and he's crashing he eventually crashes the car as well too and then he starts to run through the forest and he's basically running away. So now, like you know, like the camera shot that they have everybody follow him and stuff, they now call that the spirit. So the spirit is now following Ash throughout the forest too. So, and then eventually Ash he gets chased and he actually gets back into the cabin. And then the spirit eventually leaves. So now we meet a character. We are now meeting uh, Annie. Annie. Annie is the daughter. Of that dude that's on the videotape. Uh, audio so, tape, yes. He's <laughs> yes. He's he, he's the famous daughter. Yep. Okay. 
So now she is here, and she has a boyfriend who is apparently his name is Jake. All right. Um, actually, no, his name is not Jake. Uh, his name, because Jake is the the hillbilly guy. So let's yeah. scratch that. I don't think they even give his name. So she just has um, some boyfriend. We're just gonna call him the boyfriend because I don't know if they even gave his ass a name. So he basically is here with some blonde dude, and Annie. She has found the missing pages from the Necronomicon book. Because if you remember from the first movie, when they opened up the, the book, there were some missing pages. Okay? And she has but found them. them. Yes, Annie has them. And she is now going to go visit her parents in the cabin because she thinks they're still alive. Um, I guess we had no um, cellular phones during this particular well this was technically in the in the 70s was late 70s wasn't well it? yeah so technically well i mean even in 1987 i doubt they had cellular phones but yes but yeah so technically you got to remember this is the next day after evil dead this is not seven years later exactly so at, at very best it's 1983 but when this movie was filmed it was 1979 so you could think you could say it's 1979 i guess this cabin doesn't have a landline this yeah the that the cabin they filmed the first movie and didn't even have power that's true so now we're back in the cabin oh by the way Annie and they're they're going to go visit her parents that's their plan to help them uh, finish the rest of the book so they're yeah. now we're back in the cabin with Ash um Ash is now basically he's kind of like on a chair but he's like looking at a door he opens the door and he sees a piano playing by itself so we're having a lot of spirits are like taunting him right now. So he's also looking at that necklace that he eventually gave Lyndon in the first movie. So that necklace is still a part of the whole story. So he eventually, like, he's, like, upset when he was staring at the necklace because, you know, we're showing some emotion from Ash because, you know, Linda was going to be his girlfriend, possibly wife. And now, obviously, he had a killer because he turned into an evil spirit. But he didn't have, he didn't, he couldn't, he, it's kind of like how the professor was. He couldn't take himself to dismantle her body. And that's the only way to kill these demons if you like dismantle the whole body. So this right. is when he's looking outside and he actually sees Linda's body come up out of the grave and it's like dancing around and stuff and she eventually gets her head. I thought this scene was pretty cool, pretty pretty creepy, but it, it kind of reminded me of something from like Nightmare on Elm Street. Or, I mean Nightmare on um, Nightmare Before Christmas or something. Yeah, because it's stop motion like that. So yeah. yeah, like her whole body was I mean, that's a pretty cool thing like that whole stop motion in this movie is pretty cool if you think about it because i mean for the people who don't know i mean stop motion is made by they make a model like a little like a like a model with like rubber i guess or whatever on top of a metal exoskeleton and they move it just a tiny bit and then take a picture and they move it a little bit and take a picture and then they put all those pictures together and it makes like an animated uh form like a thing moves so they had to like for her to do this like whole little dance with her head and like how it rolls down her arm and everything. They had to do that like one frame at a time. Wow. So it must have taken forever. I mean, I can't even imagine how long it would take to do something like that. Yeah. So eventually, when she gets the head back and everything, she starts she starts flying. She eventually grabs um, Ash and kind of like through the, the to the to the doors in the window, and she starts beating on him a little bit thing. You know, eventually Ash kind of like breaks it up a little bit. Um, Linda's head falls onto him <laughs> after he's like, and then she says like love bites and then she bites his hand and stuff. And then eventually we see a whole scene of Ash trying to get this hand, off, his, this head off his hand. 
<laughs> I love I love this part. Yeah. This is one of my favorite parts of the movie. Like Ash's hand becomes like a character in the movie that's that's just yeah. fantastic. Well, this is when this is when um, Linda's head is biting his hand, so he's trying to like knock it against stuff, break her stuff. Yes. Yes. It's a, um, and it's like hitting it against the wall and the bookshelves, and he's like hitting it on the sink. Yeah. Yes. Like, so this is so when good. this is when Ash actually finally gets his hand away. He's in like he's in the he's in the work shed. Mm-hmm. And he puts his her head on the little um on the desk with the little what do you call that thing with the when you it's like a, uh, um oh a vice okay yeah so eventually when he puts her head on that thing <laughs> and then he he grabs the he's about to like kind of smash her and then Linda's body comes rushing in and then you know the the head saying like yes we have Linda's soul and she's like in internal damnation and stuff right now and eventually that body comes in with the chainsaw and everything and eventually ash brings you know takes down the body and then he finally finally uses the chainsaw for the first time and he eventually slices linda's head so we have that character gone now right well we have that funny part where he's like looking for something to uh like he's open he opens up the cabinet yeah and you can see the outline of where the chainsaw was yeah, on the wall. Do you remember that? Like, yeah. oh, that, which was taken, uh, which was taken for Pulp Fiction later. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I'm pretty sure that um, that scene in Pulp Fiction with the outline of the thing was from Evil Dead too. But, um, but yeah, you see the outline of the chainsaw, and then like you have that second, like you, you, like I love that scene too because like Ash realizes and you realize what's happening at the same time, and you're like, oh, the chainsaw is gone. And then at that very minute, she let her body like burst through the yep. door. Like trying to cut him with the chainsaw. It's so good. <laughs> so then he, and then he ev- cuts her body in half. Yes. And her head too. And, and her head too. And then eventually after he's done taking care of that business, he goes back into the house after leaving the work shed. And he eventually grabs the shotgun. And then he eventually sees the chair moving. The one he was sleep- uh, sitting in earlier. He tries to touch mm-hmm. it. Uh, and then and then eventually as he throws down the gun... And then he looks at his, kind of like his face in the mirror. He says, like, okay, I'm fine, I'm fine. Like, he's kind of like, you know, trying not to freak himself out. And then now we have the mirror now changes. Um, then the mirror comes out to be Ash, like a second one. He's like, listen, man, we just chainsawed up our girlfriend. We are not fine right now. <laughs> and then he starts laughing and stuff. <laughs> That's the first uh-huh. good, really good line from this, where he's like, "Look, man, we just chainsawed up our girlfriend. We are not fine. Yeah, we are not fine right now." <laughs> and this is when Ash's hand starts freaking out on him, and he's like, "You bastards! You dirty <laughs> bastards!" And a line that we have on our opening of the show: "You bastards, give me back my hand!" And <laughs> Give me back my hand. <laughs> and then I'm hoping know. I can comment on this movie other than just laughing for the entire show. But like it's <laughs> give me back my hand. Like this yeah. whole hand scene is fucking fantastic. Yeah. It's, like, it's fantastic. Give me back my hand. Give me back my hand. <laughs> so now we have the boyfriend and Annie show up to the uh to the area where the cabin is mm-hmm. in. And we see two characters sitting there. We have Jake and we have well, Bobby, talk, Joe. Bobby Joe. 
What a name. <laughs> so they walk up like, hey, excuse me, is this where the uh, uh, Nubian ca- cabin is? He's like, yes. Uh, it's like, you know, the bridge is out right now, so you better, you know, go on your way. And then Bobby Joe's like, you got some business out there in the cabin? And she's like, oh, yes, I do. And he's like, yes, I do. I got my parents out there and stuff. What's it to you? She's all like, it's like, is there like a different trail to get around there? And, and then, you know, Bobby Joe and them are just like going back and forth. You know, mm-hmm. Bobby Joe is like, yeah, there might be a trail right there, but who wants to know? <laughs> so, and then basically they, 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 they strike a deal. So Annie's like, listen, you two bring me, you show me how to get to this trailer, you know, and I'll pay you guys like a hundred dollars for bringing me to this trailer. The only thing I, the only thing I want you to do, Jake, is if you can carry my bags, we have a deal. And Jake's like, yeah, sure, I can carry a couple little bags. And of course, it's not a couple little bags; it's a big one. One, one thing I noticed about this scene mm-hmm. that I'd never noticed before because I'd never watched it in high definition before. So this is one of those scenes where high definition does not does not help the movie out. So that whole scene where they're talking to Jake and Bobby Joe in front of the bridge and they're supposed to be looking at the bridge that's broken. Mm-hmm. Like you can tell that they're standing in front of a matte painting. Yep. <laughs> like if you go back and look at it in high definition and now there's a 4k version, so it probably looks even worse, Yeah. but it's clear that they're standing right like in front of a matte painting of a broken bridge. Like it doesn't even look like a bridge. It just looks like somebody painted a bridge onto a canvas and they're standing in front of it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, gotta do what you gotta do. You got to do what you got to do, man. It worked, right? <laughs> it worked. So now Ash is struggling with his possessed hand, and his hand is kicking his ass. <laughs> the hand sees a knife. He tries to go for it. Um, crawls over Ash's body. Eventually, Ash, um, you know, they're fighting back and forth and stuff. They're stabbing each other with the hand and everything. The hand's basically, basically taking, taking its control. Yeah, it, it knocks him out. Yes, and then he's basically like, he was laughing now, and then he chainsaws his hand. And then we have. Oh, but you're skipping a lot, though. Don't like you're skipping yeah. the part where, like, this is like you're skipping the part. Like, I love the sounds the hand makes yeah. when it's trying to pull his body to the knife. Yeah, and it's making his little because eh, eh, it's like trying to pull his whole body. Yeah, and then like right before it grabs the knife, he just runs up and stabs it, and yeah. then and then uh, yeah, it just runs up and stabs it and like keeps it from like grabbing the knife to kill him. That's why you do the color. <laughs> yep. And then he starts a chainsaw with his teeth. Yeah. <laughs> cuts his hand off. And he's like, who's uh-huh. laughing now? And then he cuts his hand off and there's like blood spurting in his face again. Yep. And that blood, yeah. We had the gimmick where the blood spurts over his face. Yep. So now the moon is all dark now. So we know it's deep in the dark time. Annie and the guy and then her boyfriend, they walk through the forest with Jake carrying the bags and Bobby Joe. Ash, he traps his hand in a trash can, but it doesn't yeah. work. The, tra- the hand gets After away. he cut it off. After he cut yeah. it off, yes. And then he grabs the And he's the not shotgun. bleeding to death somehow. Yeah, I know. He, like, wrapped it up good, I guess. I guess so. Um, And then Ash, he, he grabs his shotgun, and he's playing, like, cat and mice with his fucking shotgun in his hand. Because eventually the hand gets chopped in, like, the like, little mouse trap. Oh, well, there you go. You know, we got mouse traps in this. We got mouse trap in the Johnny Knoxville matches. Yeah. It all ties See, together. This was a this was a little silly, but I liked it too. Like yeah. where it's going in and out of the little holes in the wall, and yeah. then it 
flips him off and then he gets caught in the mountain the, and the rat trap or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He also, yeah, he flips him off and then he's laughing at the hand because <laughs> it got <laughs> caught in the rat trap. Yeah. And he shoots the wall a couple of times. So yeah, I, I got you, didn't I? You little bat, you little sucker. And then there's blood coming out of the wall. Yeah. The, then... <laughs> the blood like fucking flows on him like a fucking hydrant or something. <laughs> it right into his face yeah. again. <laughs> So and then he's like, you know, after he gets up and everything, he's like, I'm gonna blow your, I'm gonna blow you up. The kingdom come, and then then he eventually sees like a deer, and then the, the, the deer head, the kind of like the taxidermy yeah, the deer, deer head, head on the wall. Yeah, he's like starts laughing at him, and then the whole house basically starts laughing, and then Ash starts laughing because he's going nuts as well. Yeah, he's completely lost his mind yeah. at this point, pretty much. And then eventually, my favorite he, is the lamp. Yeah, the lamp. Yeah, the lamp laughing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god! And then he eventually hears a noise and he shoots the door. And then he looks and then he reloads and then he checks the door and then some guy jumps on him, which is basically Jake, um, jumping on his ass, being like, "What the fuck, man?" Because he basically, when he shot the door, he actually shot a little bit of Annie's arm. And they were holding him down, and everything knocks him out. They eventually knock out Ash. And then the Jake's like, "Do you know this guy?" And he's like freaking out, like, "No, I don't know who he is." Um, and I don't know what you know what he's doing here. And then he, she's looking around. She sees a chainsaw all bloody and stuff. She's like, "Where's my parents and everything?" So basically, they think uh, that Ash killed the parents here. Right. So yeah, he must have killed my parents. <laughs> yeah. So they're like, "Fuck!" They bring a put him in the cellar. So they knock him out and they put him in. The, they he's knocked out, but they they drag him to the cellar mm, and throw him down the hole. Yeah, and throw him down. Yeah. Then of course he hits like it's a typical like Ash Williams thing where he hits like his head and then yeah. falls all the way down the steps. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And it's, and it's like I hope you rot down there. So eventually now we have um, Jake. He's checking on you know checks on Bobby Joe a little bit because um, during the melee she got like a little injured or you know actually basically you know you know Bobby Joe like I guess she got a little freaked out. Like, she didn't want to stay there because she got a little freaked out with all the. Um, the, the stuff around there. So then this is when Anna, she actually listens to recording from her dad. And, and he was basically yeah. saying like, Hey, you know, they, these spirits, I opened them up and they eventually took my, my wife, my, um, Henrietta wife. They, Henri- she, yeah. She, Henrietta. Yeah. Yes. And like, he's like saying like, you know, I know the only way to kill her is to do like body, you know, this, this memory but I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. I had to bury her. I had to bury her down the cellar. <laughs> and it, down the cellar where the food cellar was. And she's like, this was just, great too because uh, Ash is listening to this at the same time, and you can just see that look on his face, like, "Oh shit!" Yeah. And then all of a sudden, what happens? Yeah, and then they're like, Ash is like kind of waking up, and he can kind of hear something happening. And then, and then eventually, the Hen- Henrietta wakes up out of the cellar, and she's like, "Did you say? You know, she's like, you saying something about my fruit cellar?" <laughs> and he's like down here in my fruit cellar I like fresh souls and then he starts freaking out Ash starts freaking out and stuff and starts banging on him like hey let me out here there's something down here let me out here get me down here and they're kind of like looking at him like you know what's going on here and then they eventually um, she's like saying I will swallow your soul I want your fresh I'll new soul I'll swallow your soul yeah so <coughs> classic evil deadline yeah so eventually, when like they, they they open up the cellar a little bit, Ashton runs out, and the creature grabs the Jake's face and starts pulling him down a little bit, on getting down to the cellar, um, and then eventually they 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 knock the girl down and they lock her down in the cellar. 
Yeah, they knock Henrietta down in the cellar. So eventually, Ash and like the the Jake, they're kind of like tuckling a little bit, and then Ash is basically saying like, "Listen, guys, like you know, there's something out there, you know, that the witch is only something part of this, you know." She said that something comes like something's coming through, you know, the through you know through the walls and the bed and everything. You know, we have to all we have to do is we have to wait. We have to wait till daylight, and some of the the demons will you know kind of like disappear. Mm. Uh, and then and then eventually yeah, the we we'll um, have to make it till daylight. Yes, and then eventually you know when he's kind of explaining himself to everything, we can hear Henrietta singing like the diamond song, like. You know, like the what that little tell. You know, mommy's gonna buy you a diamond ring. ring. And then yeah, eventually that's... Anna's like, Mom? Is that going on? And then, you know, Ash's like, That creature is not your mom. <laughs> and she's like and then eventually, you know, you think that Anna's gonna buy it and then she's basically like, No, she's 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 like, No, my mom's dead. Like she actually like unlike a normal characters probably would do, like she was also like she she wasn't buying it. She wasn't buying the, the demons games. Right. Yeah, she figured it out pretty early. And then, smart. yes. So after this, randomly, the boyfriend is now a demon, and he wants lights, and he and he's the one saying "dead by dawn, dead by dawn, dead by dawn," and then he eventually bites Anna, he grabs her hair and everything. Um, her, him and the the hill the I call him hillbilly, but his name is Jake are fighting each other. Ash leaves. Anna's like. Help us, you coward! What are you doing? And then Ash eventually, um, uh, eventually get, grabs like a chain and like, as he chops up the boyfriend. So now the 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 boyfriend, who didn't even have a name in this movie, is now gone. It's dead. Yes. Yep. So they're all looking at the uh, the dead demon body. Jake says that you know there's a trail we can get out of here. This is like. You know, now I'm not. I'm not gonna stay here for how that witch swallowed me up. Then we have the clock stopping now, and now all the house is making a little bit of noise. Just, and then basically, this is when they're saying this is when Anna and, and uh, Ash are kind of like, you know, there, it seems like something is trying to force itself into this world. So we have some sort of supernatural or some sort of demon possession trying to actually force itself into to. It's not fully here yet, but it's like very close to being put into this actual realm, because this is when yeah. we start getting more of the, a little more of the time traveling, kind of a little more of the spirit side of the of the Evil Dead, of how the book can kind of like open up portals to different dimensions and bring over different creatures and different demons. Right, so. more of the mythology of the whole series was where we we don't really don't really get that in the first movie at all. Yes, because um, eventually they they end up calling them Kandarian demons. Which I'm not sure they even mentioned that in this movie, but I know I'm pretty sure they didn't mention it in the first movie either. Yes. Where they're like they're they're like Kandarian is what they call them. Um but yeah, they're from like another dimension, basically. Yeah. So eventually they hear something in a room and they're like, Okay, it's coming from there. And then like Ash is like, Okay, let's all go together. And the Jake was like, Hell no, you're the curious one. <laughs> so I'll stay in there. So eventually and I was like, Okay, I'll go with him. So they, 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 they go into the room to look around, and then ba- basically Jake and Bobby Joe just show up. Like, oh, look, see, I told you nothing's in this room. So this is when we get... We also get a couple of notions of, like, a spirit hologram throughout the movie, like some sort of, like, kind of, like, oh, evil yes. eyes coming through this part as well. So, so this is kind of, like, showing that the spirits are trying to break through, like, a portal during this time as well. 
Oh, so yeah, this very, is oh very Lord of the Rings. Yes, and this is also too when we hear Annie's father's voice. He is now a spirit, and it's saying, it's saying these spirits want to destroy you. Well, no fucking shit. No <laughs> we kidding. Got, we got that part. Right now. Yeah, we, we got to figure that out. It says your salvation lies, and it says lies in the back. Save your own life. So he's saying like the salvation. Uh, the key to salvation is in the back room. All right. Uh, okay. Sure. Sure, I guess. Because, because yeah, he gives them a lot of like very vague advice. Yeah, he's kind of like you know, like hey, it's basically saying is the the basically oh sorry, the key to salvation is not the back; it's the book. Okay, the, the key, book. the book, yeah. the the key to salvation is the book. And it's the pages that were missing from the book. That's basically what he was trying to say. I don't know why I said back of the house. I mean, there's some stuff in the back of it. Maybe the book was in the back of the house. There we go. Yeah, there we go. People are going to call me out. Like, they're going to call me out like this fucking idiot. I've seen this movie a hundred yeah. freaking thousand times. That's not what he said, you little Mark. Yeah, whatever. All right. Keep it kayfabe. Keep it kayfabe, brother. So they are like, okay, you know, we got to find, we got to read these book passages. Maybe this will help out. And then eventually, like, Bobby Joe's like, hey, Jake, why are you squeezing my hand so tight? And Jake's like, I'm not squeezing I'm your not hand. I'm not your hand. And then, boom, <laughs> the hand is squeezing, squeezing up Bobby Joe. <laughs> Ash's hand, yes. Yes. Um, let's see. They scream and everything. And then eventually, like, some melee happen, happens. And um, Jake is looking around. And he's like, hey, you know, where did Bobby Joe go? And then we actually see Bobby Joe. She is screaming and running through the forest at this time. And like, oh boy, Which we know where this so is well going. the first time. <laughs> exactly. As we say, this works so well the yes. first time. But this one wasn't, uh, this one I, is probably like the PG version of it. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> we you can re- tell they definitely toned it down. Yeah. This. So this is when, you know, she's running through there. The trees attack her. You know, they're ripping her clothes a little bit. You know, the trees are like, you know, rushing her and like, you know, you know, doing the same thing as the first movie, but like not as like sexually oriented as the first one. Yeah. So speaking of that, so there's a, I don't know if you've seen, there's a documentary um, about the girls that were in that movie. And um, uh, what was her name? Elaine. Yeah. Yeah. Elaine, I think is the name of the character or Cheryl. No, it's Cheryl. Cheryl, Elaine is the actress. She plays Cheryl. So like apparently like the script is so was so short and vague and it had nothing in it like it had the dialogue but that's it so like apparently like in that scene where um in the first movie where Cheryl gets raped by the trees it all it, the only thing on the page the only thing it said was Cheryl gets attacked by the trees yeah and what she said was when she went to 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 the premiere and stuff with her mom she yeah. didn't even know that that scene with the the stick going into her. Uh... You know, her uh, yeah. her fun part was even gonna right. be in there. It wasn't even, wasn't they, even in it. Yeah, exactly. they just added that exactly. in there. She's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> so, so eventually, this when the tree is attacking. You know, Jake's Jake is in there, like saying, "Hey, we gotta go find Bobby Joe." And then Ash is like, "No, we don't know where she is. She could be out in the forest, and I'm definitely not going out there." You know, if she's out there, she's gone. And so it's basically Ash and a- Annie are trying to figure out how to, you know, translate this book and everything to stop everything that was going on. This is like their only shot to get this, um, to destroy this evil. 
But Jake won't let that. Yes, happen. and he's like, you know, where is she? Where is she and stuff? You know, I have to go find her. And then you know they're looking at her and stuff. Um, and then they're saying like, you know, look at this picture. This must be something from the past. You know, this must be like some guy that you know maybe destroyed the evil and stuff. And then like yeah. Ash is like, I didn't do such a good job. And basically the picture was Ash. And yeah, the, but that's a spoiler though. Yeah. Well, we don't I mean, know that yet. She yeah. says, she says, yeah, they call him the the man who dropped from the sky yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So basically, this is like doing a little hint about what's going to happen in our our other movie. You know. Right. So I I I, I kind of like that Easter egg part that they did right there. I thought that was really clever. You know. Yeah, because you don't really get it, although you could. Yeah. Like you know, if if you saw it, you could have figured it out. But I remember the first time I saw that, I was mm-hmm. like, I saw it, and then when we got to the end of the movie, I was like, oh shit. Yeah. It was like, such a no shit moment. But I like the part where he's like, yeah, she destroyed evil. And I was like, I didn't do such a good job. <laughs> yeah, he didn't do such a good <laughs> job last time, did he? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's that, uh, and then she's basically just saying like, you know, she, so basically they're, they're coming out with a plan to maybe create a portal. So if they can create a, a portal, maybe they can get the spirit to go into that portal and trap it. So that's their plan. Right. And then, of course, Jake, he grabs a shotgun. He's all like, hey, we're finding Bobby Joe, and you guys are coming with me no matter what. If you try to run, I'll shoot you. And he's like, man, you're trying to, you're going to kill us all. And then he eventually grabs, you know, and puts them, um, and he says, move. He's basically getting them to move to go outside, you know. And then he's, they're outside. Ash is trying to resist a little bit, and he hits them. And he says, I'll blow your head off. And then this tree starts moving a little bit. And this is when they're walking through the forest. And it says, like, it's like, you know, you know, there's no trail, you know. You know, where is the trail? You know, where Bobby yeah, what, he's like, what happened to the trail? Yeah, what happened to the trail? It was like, Bobby Joe! Bobby Joe! <laughs> he's like, man, you're gonna get us all killed. What the hell? And he eventually knocks out Ash. He like knocks him completely out. He's like, Bobby Joe, where are you, girl? Uh, Bobby Joe, and then boom, randomly. We got a fucking demon Ash shows back up and he starts attacking Jake and fucking beating his ass. And he's saying, join us and stuff. Join us. And then Annie sees him and stuff. And then she runs back inside and then she gets that sword from the first movie with the little skull on it. Mm. To try to help herself from getting attacked by the uh, demon Ash. I always forgot forgot that that Ash actually turned into a demon. So... Yeah. Yeah. So... So technically, he's possessed through the whole movie, yes. but it only comes out of him like every once in a while. Yeah. So I guess he has some ways he can kind of get it on and off. But right now he's he's possessed, and he's uh, you know, and it got she gets with that blade, you know, with the little demon skulls on it, and and then eventually she she's kind of running the house because she's alone in the house right now, and then she basically hears a door opening up, and she she the door opens up, and then boom, it's Jake, but she stabs him. Not knowing it was Jake, she thought it might be the demon Ash. She thought it was Ash. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then uh, she's like, you know, oh crap, no. And then demon Ash eventually attacks, and then Annie's she's trying to close the door, and Jake said like, you know, hey, you know, eventually she gets demon Ash to be put in the room, locks him out, and then Jake's like saying like, you know, put me in another room. <laughs> He's like, get me an axe <laughs> and pull this thing out of me, and then Annie basically drags him to another room and stuff. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, I can't breathe. 
He's like, then they basically, you know, check the windows, make sure we don't see the demon anywhere. And then eventually, you know, when, so, um, Annie, she puts Jake's body down after he's been stabbed. It's kind of like bleeding out. This is when the demon seller, uh, demon witch, they kept, they kept calling her the witch throughout the whole movie. So the witch. Yeah, which I thought was weird, but that's a good name for her, I guess. Yeah. She pulls Jake in and then blood spirits everywhere. From the cellar. Oh yeah, but and this is the scene where it's like it's not. Um, in this movie, like the blood is not like traditional blood. It's kind of this. It's like almost like a goo. It fucking looks like a fucking hydrant just fucking coming out. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, and then Ash Demon shows up. He throws Annie around a little bit, and then eventually Ash Demon looks at that necklace. That he gave Linda for the first movie. So we have a lot of trips there. And he eventually screams a lot. He's very upset. And he eventually turns it back to normal. So somehow from having a sentimental thing from his past. He has now beaten the demon with inside of him. Yeah. It's like his his love for Linda has like helped him beat the demon. Yes. And eventually Anna tries to attack him. And then and then Ash is like saying like no no it's really me I'm I'm okay I'm okay and of course she doesn't believe him because we've already seen that the demons can transfer into their normal person even though they're still possessed so she's not yes. believing him she's still attacking him attack him he's like I'm all right I'm all right it's fine <laughs> I'm fine now I'm fine so he eventually gets to calm down and she eventually does it and then he's eventually saying um it's like she's like okay I know you're fine but for how long. She's saying we're gonna need those pages. So something we didn't mention that while while Ash and Annie were were coming up with the idea to try to read those pages, when our boy Jake freaked out, he took the pages and he threw the pages down into the cellar. Yes, where Henrietta is. Yes, where Henrietta is the witch. So they go down to the cellar and they keep looking around. Uh, Ash keeps looking around for different pages and stuff. Um, before he goes down to the cellar, though, we have a montage of him making his chainsaw into his hand. I love this part, too. Yes, this is a good part. And, of course, <laughs> we get the famous line, groovy. Yeah, buddy. Groovy. So now the trees are alive outside. They ain't playing around anymore. They've had their, they've had their fun, and they ain't playing anymore. Mm-hmm. So now Ash, he cuts down the cellar door. Um, he goes through and sees, you know, he's found some pages at the beginning. And he's kind of collecting them. And now he's in the cellar. He's kind of looking around. He finds, like, um, pages on a wet floor. Um, and then eventually, you know, he gets... Uh, so eventually, you know, when he finds all these pages and stuff, um, the, the, the demon witch attacks him. Mm-hmm. And then when she's attacking and stuff, Annie, she is trying to, uh, eventually Ash kind of like gave the pages to, to Annie when he got him down from the cellar. And he's all like, while he's fighting the witch, he's saying like, Annie, you know, read these. I need you to like pull it up, you know, see see what you could do to summon this stuff. Um, And then eventually we see some of the demons flying in the air, that witch flying in the air. Um... And eventually, while the demon's flying in the air, after she kind of like knocked down Ash to kind of go out to Annie, Annie is now singing the Mockingbird song. And I guess that distracts 
the demon and then eventually Ash chops up the demon body. With the chainsaw. Yes, with the chainsaw. And eventually Annie cries a little bit after she just saw her demon mom got chopped up. Then Ash gives her a hug. And this is when we have the giant tree attack the house. And then Annie's like, listen, I only completed like the first part of this translation. I, I didn't feel, I didn't get to finish it all yet. You know, I only got the Oops. first part. So the first part of her getting the spirit, there's two parts of the spirit. Okay. There's making the spirit in flesh. And then there's trapping the spirit into the portal. So I'm guessing what they did is when she read the first part, she actually somehow made the spirit into a tree. So that's the flesh part. And now they're going to yes. take the demon tree spirit into the portal. Got all that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, she. Yeah, she only. Yeah, she. Mm -hmm. So she only. The first part made the demon flesh. Yes. And she only did that part. So now we have the physical demon in our world. Yes. And now the demon head comes through the door and starts attacking. And she's trying to read some more. Uh, you know, we just have some back and forth. Um, hand stabbing. Um, the eventually what happens is the hand. The Ash's hand eventually stabs um, Anna in the back with that sword from the first movie. All right, but she's still trying to read the the patches that, that captures Demon because we could see when she's reading some stuff, we can see a portal, um, kind of like forming. Mm, and then with the tree yeah. demons attacking stuff, Anna keeps reading everything. Um, the the portal is now opening up. She finally, before she 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 dies, she read the last part. So now the portal is opening up, and now it's starting to suck everything through it. All right, and then Annie dies. We have this, the the demon tree is getting sucked into the portal, um, and then so the portal's taking some more stuff away, and then eventually, like eventually, the Ash kind of thought like, okay, got the demon, and then eventually the the portal starts taking some more stuff out of the cabin. He's like, for God's sake, how do you stop this thing? <laughs> <laughs> And then eventually he goes into the portal and we see like a whole bunch of, you know, a bunch of scenes of him falling down. And then eventually yep. we see from the sky, we see Ash and the car fall down. Falling. Down there. And then he wakes up with a bunch of like medieval knights around him, all around him and stuff. And then the gods are like, slay the beast. Slay, and then they see a. And then before they're gonna be slaying Ash because they think he's some sort of creature, like they've been fighting. They see a flying beast out there, like a flying pterodactyl zombie beast. Yes. And they all like fucking oh shit, get out of here! Like this beast is attacking. Eventually, Ash gets up. He fucking takes his shotgun and shoots the motherfucker down. And blows his head off. He blows his head off. Hail thee that comes from the sky, who saves them <laughs> from the devils. Hail Ash. And they're like, hail, sir, hail, sir. And then Ash is like, he's like, oh, shit. He starts screaming like, ah. <laughs> and then he realizes he's the one that fell from the sky. Yes, he's realized he's the guy who fell from the sky and beat the creature in the first place. And that ends evil. But he didn't do a head. very good job, though. No. He, he <laughs> called himself out. I was like, oh, fuck, I fucked that up. And that ends Evil Dead 2, everybody. What a movie. What a review. You know, it's a, it's hard to review a movie like this because this movie is almost so much visual that it's hard yeah. to like, you know, explain like the visual craziness of this movie. You know, there wasn't like a whole lot of dialogue in this movie. There was just a lot more like action. There's a lot more like visual scenes, I would say, than yeah. a normal movie. 
Like it's hard to describe the scene where, I mean, it's almost like a Looney Tunes cartoon, like a Bugs Bunny cartoon or something like where he's like running into the, like the, um, like the bookcases all the time. And then like where his hands like hitting him in the face with the plates yeah, and like trying to knock him out. Like it's really hard to describe that if you haven't seen it, but it's, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, it's, it's done so well. It's funny and it's still somewhat scary. It's not as scary as the first one. The first movie legitimately scares me like this. The voices in it just scare the shit out of me. Like, I think it's so fucking creepy. Um, this movie is not as creepy. No. It's definitely more, uh, well, I wouldn't call it kid friendly, <laughs> family <Yeah>. friendly, but, <laughs> but it's, it's, def- it's definitely funnier. I'd say it has um, a little bit more like, yeah. it has a little bit more like, like, uh, like hokey stuff in a way, like, you know, a lot yeah, more, a lot more over the way. top stuff. Yeah. And like I said, in like a good way. So it's definitely a fun one. I mean, obviously, you know, I would definitely check it out. So, is there anything you'd like to end on the Evil Dead 2 that you would like to say? Anything about final thoughts about the movie or anything like that? Um, I mean, it, this is this also it movie is a classic. I mean, it's it's not as good as the first movie because it it is a horror comedy, but it's still it's still great. And it's 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 all you know. It's like they took everything that was unintentionally funny in the first movie and they made it like the main focus of this movie um i mean i think this movie is fantastic it's a classic i love it um i could watch it again right now like i could get off the show here and watch this movie again i could watch this movie once a week i'm sure yeah Um, i mean what do you think about it well my thoughts are like so this is probably my this is my first evil dead movie i saw evil dead 2 yeah Kind of like you, probably like a lot of people out there. You know, their first one was just this one, and you know, I liked it because you know it has a lot of like, you know, hokey stuff on it, but it does have a pretty good, you know, plot. You know, Ash is really good. You know, Bruce Campbell's very good acting without this whole movie. You know, the plot's pretty easy to understand. You know what I mean? Um, I thought that the effects were really good. You know, have a bunch of like gore everywhere, like you know, <laughs> just like mountains and puddles of you know blood and stuff. The demon, mm. you know, prosthetics look very nice. The overall story, I thought it was pretty good, you know. You know, it, I liked how they, they they kept it open for a sequel, which obviously they made. Um, I thought that was cool. I liked the, how you got to explore a bit more about the book and the possessions, a little bit more backstory than we got from the first movie. But I would definitely say the first movie is still my favorite because of the tone. I thought the tone in the yeah. first movie was a lot more, just a lot more creepier. You know, just a lot more, yeah. like, if you were in a cabin with your friends, you know, this is like, you know, I, I thought in the first movie it was better because the reactions were a little more real. You know, in, in this movie, Ash, you know, he got his fucking hand chopped off. He's, like, making jokes about shooting your fucking hand like a mice. Like, I'm gonna get you, little sucker. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. the yeah. first movie is a little bit more, like, realistic dialogue of this shit was happening. So, that's why I like right. the tone of the first movie, but I can understand, Absolutely. like, the... I can understand taking it in a t- into a different direction to make it a little bit more, like, you know, a little bit more comedy-central-based but still having a horror element with it. So. Right. This this movie also invented the um, one-liners from Ash, yeah. which he doesn't really do much in the first movie. Okay. They're all unintentional in the first movie, but this one, um, you know, this one starts the uh, the one-liners, and then they really play that up in Army of Darkness. Yeah. 
Um, just keep going with it. Yeah. Like this is my boomstick, that that part. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, but I mean th- yeah, I mean the the first one, you're right. I mean, I feel the same way you do. Like the first one is what would happen if you were trapped in the woods with your friends being attacked by demons? Like, what would you do? How would you react to that? And I think the reaction is, is, is more natural. You know, I mean, they're, they don't know what to do. They're terrified. They keep getting possessed and everything's all fucked up. This one is like him, like after a night of that and he's by himself. So now he's come to terms with the fact that these demons exist and he's trying to like, he's basically just pissed off now and he's trying to figure out a way to, to survive and get rid of these demons. Yep. And he has a whole big journey ahead of him, but speaking of journeys, it's about that time. It is about that time. So Allison, I challenge you now because you've been talking a lot of shit about my boy, Johnny Knoxville. And that great match he had at WrestleMania, I have now have challenged you to a match. That's right. There's only one way to settle this. There's only one way to settle this, man. I challenge you. And audience, you are all there to witness it as well, too. Join us. Because I challenge Allison to a lights out match. Oh. A lights out podcast, at least. <laughs> I mean, we can kind of do a match, I guess, over the airways. Anyway, I challenge you to a match, brother. All right, you've been you've been talking about bad about Knoxville. You've been you've been talking bad about my boy Jake, Lepre- Leprechaun. Leprechaun. I challenge you to lights out, and this lights out episode is going to be Evil Dead Three: Army of Darkness. Oh, oh, well. That's you right, know, you, you know what? You know what, James? You show up, I'll show up too. And I'll show you how it's going to be. That's right, everybody. Join us for a very special Lights Out edition of the Retro Blood, a side piece of Retro Blood podcasting that we're going to be dropping on you guys very soon here. Kind of continue our our series review of Evil Dead. So that should be very fun. So join us, everybody, for that match of the century. J.A. Allison, James Klein, and Lights Out match watching Evil Dead and talking all about it. Talking a bunch of shit. You know that you know that lights out show. That's that's the that's the show we go all out. You know we don't give a fuck on that show. That's, yeah, you don't give a fuck. <laughs> we, we can be, we can do anything right. in the lights out show. There ain't that's no the format. shit to watch. Yeah, there's no, no format on that show. We just talk trash the whole time. Yep, yep. But everybody, this has been a great episode. Evil Dead Two, one of my favorite, one of my favorite franchises of all time. So, very fun review. But join us here next next week on the Retro Blood as we get into some more demon possession, but we are going all the way to Italy, brother, because we are seeing demons. Yeah, you know how much I love Italian horror movies? Yeah, brother. And the audience is going to love them too by the time we're done with this. Is this the first Italian horror movie we've done? I think it is, actually, yes. So that should be very fun. And this movie is one of my all-time favorites too because this movie is great. Um, Yes. So everybody check it out, Demons. We'll do that next week here on the Retro Blood. And how about we leave you guys with some tunes over here from our boys, Bathory. Some some tunes from our boys, Bathory. How about Call from the Grave? Let's leave you with some Call from the Grave. Because, you know, Ash, every time he tried to bury some of his girlfriends or some girls he's trying to hit on, they all came back from the grave to try to get him. So, everybody, we're out of here. James Klein, J.A. Allison, catch you guys later. Yeah, see you next time.